It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Behind Enemy Lines. I'm your host, Alejandro Suniga, here from the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. The Michigan football program had a very eventful bye week, a very newsworthy bye week, but it's time, at least on this show, to turn our attention to what's coming to Ann Arbor this weekend, and that is the Purdue Boilermakers. Excited to preview an actual football game set my mind back on football uh, as opposed to, to what we've all been focusing on since last Thursday, give or take. We'll be welcoming in our regular guests from the Ohio State beat as well, Patrick Murphy, who will give us some insight into the Ohio State Buckeyes. But first, let's start the show with Purdue. The Boilermakers, since we last saw them in the Big Ten Championship game last year, have undergone a complete program teardown and rebuild. In a lot of ways, Jeff Brom left for Louisville. He's been replaced by Ryan Walters, former defensive coordinator at Illinois. And they, let's face it, lost a lot of that talent that took them to the Big Ten Championship game last year. This season, the Boilermakers are 2-6 and six overall, 1-4 in Big Ten play. Last week, as they were coming off their bye, they lost 31-14 to to Nebraska, And as we're about to learn, they're pretty banged up heading to Ann Arbor for this Saturday night game. So let's take a look behind enemy lines. Here's my conversation with Mick Walker, who covers the Boilermakers over at Purdue Sports Report, part of our 24-7 Sports Network. The Michigan football team finally plays a football game after a very eventful bye week. This Saturday night at Michigan Stadium, the Wolverines welcome the Purdue Boilermakers for a nighttime kickoff on NBC. Uh, happy to have Mick Walker, who covers the Boilermakers over at Boiler Sports Report, part of our 24-7 Sports Network, here to talk Purdue. Mick, how you doing? Good, Alejandro. How you doing, man? Man, it's, uh, it's been a long bye week, um, and I think uh, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, I'm always happy to do this show um, just to help even myself know more about the upcoming opponent. Uh, but I, I feel especially grateful for it this week because I can finally really turn my attention toward football uh, and, and the things that will happen on the gridiron on Saturday night. Uh, and I, I know we talked last year. It's been it feels like it's been a very long time since we spoke. Right. Because uh, when we had this conversation for this exact same show uh, about a year ago, it was for the Big Ten championship game. Uh, last time we saw Purdue was was in Indianapolis uh, and a lot has changed since then, right? Jeff Brom left for Louisville, uh, replaced by Ryan Walters, who was the former defensive coordinator at Illinois. And then, you know, on, on the roster itself, a lot of turnover there. You've got Aiden O'Connell. Uh, he's in the NFL. You've got Chuck Sizzle, Charlie Jones. He's in the NFL. Tight end, Payne Durham. He's in the NFL. So, so Mick, take us through what the last, you know, 10, 11 months or so have been like covering this Purdue football team and how the program has changed since we last spoke. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much been, when you look at a whole still changes, like you said, all the key players and all the names everybody had known are gone off to the NFL. 
whole coaching staff has changed, and Jeff Brom's obviously after having a ton of success down at Louisville this season, back in his hometown, is his alma mater. But I mean, you, you bring in a different, you bring it, you go from Jeff Brom, an offensive, a renowned offensive coach, to Ryan Walters, who obviously, as Michigan learned, is a very, very bright defensive mind when it comes to this defense that they run, this kind of 5 1 5, this 5 2 4, however they want to phrase it, that's at times. Um, so it's really, you've gone, change of philosophy, you've face lifted every single one of the players, you've changed a lot of that around. You have a different quarterback in Hudson Card who has played well, but I want throughout this week, it will be, It'll be interesting to see whether he is full go against Michigan. He's been dealing with some injuries the past few weeks, and uh, knowing obviously the opponent, knowing the situation, you wouldn't be surprised if they perhaps give him a week off and or, or just prepare him for these two wins, but two, potential two wins you got down the line with Indiana and Northwestern. Hopefully, you can close out the season strong. And you look at that, you just try and maybe get him healthy, give him a week to be able to rest up and know because you know what your odds are. Obviously, competitors think differently. You and I can talk about. The, the that view and that understanding with the, the coaches and the players will have to make that decision. But yeah, just from top to bottom, it's a completely different change, completely different mindset of a program and obviously completely different stakes when you're talking about a big 10 championship and a week 10 or week nine game in the, in the regular season with nothing really on the line. Yeah. It's uh it's always surprising, at least given what Purdue has been uh, or at least what it was uh, before before the coaching regime changes, I was looking at the Big Ten stats, and and you see Purdue on offense, pretty middling uh, and pretty exactly middling in the Big Ten. Right, they are seventh in total offense, seventh in scoring offense, you know, ninth in rushing offense, and sixth in passing offense. That's not really what you expect, uh, especially over the last couple of years, as as, as we've seen Purdue. Um, I mean, that's, of course, that's understandable given the the departures from both a personnel standpoint and from a staff perspective. Uh, but take us through what's what's working well for the Purdue offense. I know Hudson Card, he's a big name coming to Purdue, right? He's a, a former four-star recruit. Uh, he was, you know, he went to Texas. He's come over. He has a 59% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, and then a wide receiver who who recruiting fans and, you know, Michigan, state of Michigan football fans might know. Uh, and Dion Burks, who's a Michigan product uh, from Belleville just down the road. Uh, he's had a nice season. So, so what's working well for this offense and what hasn't gone quite so well? Yeah, in recent weeks, I mean, when you're talking about Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska, three of the better defenses they place, honestly, nothing's gone well. They've been able to move the ball at, at a decent clip, whether it's running or passing, but that's mainly been in negative game scripts when teams are kind of conceding yards and points and whatnot. Um, they haven't been able to do much earlier this season when things were going well. You saw a lot out of uh, – like you said, Deion Burks. Deion Burks has been a big play machine all year. He hasn't been able to – there was a couple of plays last week where it felt like he cuts and card had him or he underthrew him, and there was one where it looked like – I think Deion Burks would say it was a drop, but I guess you could say it was a bad ball, a bad situation. But still, uh, some of those big plays they got from Deion Burks earlier in the season haven't come to fruition later in the season. Outside of that, uh, Max Clare, their tight end, was a retro freshman that had a good start to the season. He's out for the rest of the year. So he, so that's a big weapon they've lost. Uh Tyrone Tracy, who's one of their more dynamic running backs, he also has missed time. He should be back and be in action against in this Michigan game. And then Devin Mockaby, who was one of the bigger stories of the Big Ten last year, and when it comes from going to walk on to um, to scholarship player once Brian, Brian Walters arrived, I mean, I believe he has seven fumbles on the year. So it's just been a very a very big number of turnovers when it comes to both on from all over. It's whether the offense, whether it's Hudson Card throwing interceptions or the running backs fumbling. That's been a struggle, and they haven't been able to necessarily break the break the top off the defense like they were earlier in the year. And then 
really the, in, the antithesis of it all is that the uh, against Iowa, they lost the right tackle, Marcus Bow. He's done for the season. The right left tackle, starting left tackle at the beginning of the season, uh, Muhammad Musa didn't play. They got their starting center and uh, Gus Hartwig back for Wisconsin, but he's obviously only a handful of games in and still trying to, to some extent, mesh with the guards. And both their guards that they are playing are group, group of five transfers coming from UNLV and uh, Bowling Green, respectively. So it's a it's a very makeshift offensive line at this point. And that obviously, as Michigan fans know, when you know, getting the offensive line together can make and break make or break your success. And when you have an offensive line like Michigan, you have a lot of success. When you have a lot of offensive line like Purdue, you're struggling like they are this season. Uh, and speaking of an offensive line that might be struggling, if you get your quarterback hurt, that's that's never a good thing. I don't know exactly what happened uh, to Hudson Card. I I think I saw you know a couple weeks ago that he was limping. Um, so so I guess well if he can't go, um, and I know mobility is a you know it's a strength of his. Uh, so if he's limited or if he can't go, who would be the backup there? Yeah, so that's the other big thing is Brady Allen was the guy they signed a couple years ago. I believe in the twenty. 20- Two class, which would have been a four-star guy. He was supposed to be the future of the program. Went through the spring with him, and the plan obviously was hopefully he'd back up Hudson Card, then be the next guy. He transferred at the end of spring. Is now at Louisville. So now you brought in a guy and um, you brought in a guy and uh, Bennett Meredith from Arizona State, who I imagine would get the starting snaps if if something were to happen behind him. They have a true freshman and uh, Ryan Brown, who went to a prep school, so he's a little bit more experienced, a little older than a true freshman. I believe he's also a Michigan native, Michigan native, Florida native. He's bounced around a little bit, but so yeah, you're looking at a, a younger transfer that doesn't hasn't really proven much in Bennett Meredith and a true freshman. If, if for some reason Hudson Card can't go, now flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, you know when when you've got Ryan Walters, that's that's where you expect the strength to be, right? And I know it's just like the offensive side of the ball. There was a ton of turnover um, uh, on on a player perspective. It looked like up to eight new starters for Purdue this year. Uh, and then you look at, you look at the, the big 10 rankings and it's kind of playing out to that effect, right? Purdue right now enters this game last in scoring defense in the big 10. They're giving up 30 points per game, 13th in total defense, giving up 380 yards per game. There's a couple names that, you know, that really jump out and, and names that big 10 fans probably should know uh, a couple of outside linebackers in, in Kadron Jenkins uh, and Nick Scorton. Uh, but you look at this defense and, and it's not exactly what you'd expect from a Ryan Walters defense, at least in terms of production, right? Last year, as Michigan fans well know, and the coaching staff well knows Ryan Walters, when he was at DC over at Illinois, he put together a defensive game plan that that was one of the worst offensive that produced one of the worst offensive showings uh, that we've seen from Michigan in quite some time. Certainly one of the, you know, bottom two or three games of JJ McCarthy's career as a starting quarterback at Michigan. It's a lot of man to man. Um, They've got some talented edge rushers this year. Purdue does, Uh, but it's not, it's not from a, you know, from a total output, you know, you're seeing Purdue at the bottom of the big 10 rankings uh, so what's going on on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, sadly, when you bring in Ryan Walters, you can't bring the first round corner, the two uh, day two NFL draft picks in the secondary, the other two day two draft picks in the secondary that he had at Illinois last year. So that sucks. Obviously, Illinois also has Johnny Newton, who's likely going to be a first round pick in the, as a defensive lineman this year. And Keith Randolph is another guy on their defense that could get drafted. So you're talking about a handful of NFL guys that he had to kind of stock that defensive line with and that defensive backfield with. Um, you're seeing that, that those results at Illinois changed this year without those guys and obviously impacted Ryan Walters' defense. 
the big thing is like you said that they probably have one of the, I've said in the Big Ten West most of the time when I've talked to uh, fellow beat writers about it, but it's probably in the Big Ten. They have one of the better pass rushing duos in the Big Ten when you look at Nick Gordon and you look at Cajun Jenkins, and that's just not statistics. That's, I mean, you look at pass rush uh, PFF grades, pass rush grades. Um, they're Michigan and now I was looking at this morning. M- them and Michigan are the only two teams that have two guys in the top six of pass rush grades. Obviously, Derek Moore is one of them. I I, I couldn't. I might have been. No, I was looking at Edge Rusher, so it wouldn't have been Mason Graham. But uh, um, whatever whatever that is, um, the, you're looking at two guys that can really get after the passer, whether it's sacks, tackles for loss. Outside of those two, it's been a big struggle. They lost the guy in uh, Marquise Wilson, who they brought from uh, Penn State to play corner. He went down. Now they're starting a true freshman in Derek Rogers, who who's out there and he's played well for to some extent, but obviously he's a true freshman, a guy that they originally signed to be a wide receiver and is now playing corner. So he's played well, but he's still a true freshman. Then you also have another true freshman in the secondary in Dylan Thieneman at safety, even though he's probably been their best player on defense outside of those two outside linebackers. I think he's won three different Big Ten freshman of the week honors. He's he leads true freshman in tackles, I believe is what they posted yesterday when they were announcing all this. He's he's been a very talented player and he's essentially He's, their, he's a safety, but he's essentially their second linebacker. He plays about 20 yards deep. And as um, as if you go back and watch this Michigan game that last year against Illinois, that's another big thing is they limit – you limit those explosive plays because you have a guy like Dylan Thieneman that is a sure tackler that runs a 4-3 that can kind of seal off anything at about 10, 15 yards and continue to just make offensive take plays. But the problem has been that there's been – their corners have gotten beat. And like you said, they play a lot of man. So that's been a struggle for them. Um, it's really just been – a I think the scheme and the the base of what they want to do on this Ryan Walters defense is there. It's just whether or not they have the horses in this year. They don't really have the horses to be able to run on the outside. They can get out for the passer to some extent on the outside, but even those guys are not the best players against the run, but they're even even they are better than the interior guys that have struggled to stop the run. And you saw that against Nebraska. You saw that against Iowa. You saw that obviously you saw them struggle with a lot against Ohio State. So you're telling me that that Purdue was importing, you know, top of the first round cornerback Devin Witherspoon from the NFL uh, back to Ryan Walters defense for this game? No, instead they're importing a true freshman that was recruited to play a wide receiver. So a little bit of a different stake. Fair enough. <laughs> well, with all that being said, Mick, uh, football game on Saturday night, uh, 31 point spread, uh, at least last time I checked. Um, it sounds like Purdue is pretty beat up and it's a Michigan team that, you know, let's face it has, I'm sure a bit of, uh, of wanting to prove themselves, uh, on a football field, given what's been going on off the field, the news, the allegations surrounding the program over the last couple of weeks. So, so a lot of motivation for a night game at the big house for the Wolverines, um, you know, year one of a total program rebuild uh, for Purdue is, is what it sounds like. Uh, so make it as you're watching this game uh, on Saturday night, as it plays out, um, not necessarily going to ask for, you know, for a score prediction or, or who's going to win the game. Uh, but, but what's something you expect to see from Purdue on Saturday night when, when they roll into Ann Arbor? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're going to see them stick to a lot of what Ryan Walters wants to do. Obviously they're going to try and play man. They're going to try and man up guys like Ro- Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, obviously. And, and when, if you and I were just talking straight, I, I imagine that's the the more of the untested part of the Michigan offense is those guys can they consistently win outside. I don't think Purdue has has necessarily the players that can keep up with them, so I imagine they'll be able to have success. But that I imagine in a couple of weeks when you're talking to whoever from Bucknell or the Ohio State side, they will then uh, it'll be that'll be the question with those Ohio State corners and those wide receivers. 
Mitch Purdue is obviously going to try and do similar things and play a lot of man outside and win and hope that there's what their cornerbacks can cover. The Michigan offensive tackles will be tested. I think those guys, Nick Scorn and Kadron Jenkins, can probably compete with any Big Ten offensive tackles. So that should be an interesting matchup. But I, I don't really see a way. Purdue struggled on third down on both sides of the ball. They haven't been able to stay on the field on offense, haven't been able to get offenses off the field. So even if they do force downs and make them take a lot of plays, I just don't see them being able to have much success on getting Michigan off the field. I, I don't know if we're seeing a uh, what fifty to forty or fifty or forty nine to nothing splattering like you saw in Michigan State because I don't. I imagine there is somewhat of a respect factor that Jim Harbaugh and this coaching staff have for Ryan Walters after what they did last year. I don't think there's any kind of animosity. Plus, I don't think it's obviously not an NCAA rival, so I don't think they're trying to just sit there and shut them out. I imagine you'll see maybe a 30 or 40 point win for Michigan, and hopefully Purdue can get a touchdown on the board and avoid a shutout, which would probably be their their biggest disaster. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with that. Big picture is I don't know how much Michigan comes in with an edge uh, just because of of the sign stealing, the the whole you know quote unquote cheating allegations, and wanting to prove it that hey, listen, uh, doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what you think, we can still go out and and beat you by however many points we want to. Um, but I agree, it sounds like um, as Jim Harbaugh said this week, um, they remember it quite vividly uh, what Ryan Walters and that defense. Uh, were able to do in putting a, a very significant scare uh, into the Michigan football team last year. Anyway, for myself, Alejandro Suniga, Mick, thank, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for taking us uh, behind enemy lines and giving us a preview of the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, if you want to follow his work, uh, you can do so over at Boiler Sports Report, part of our 24-7 sports network. Mick, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Alejandro. Thank you for having me on. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking Ohio State as they enter their stretch run of the season undefeated with their eyes as Michigan's eyes on November 25th. We'll be right back. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider at michigan.247sports.com. Alejandro Suniga taking you behind enemy lines and finishing this episode like the Michigan football team will finish its regular season, and that is with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Happy to welcome back after the bye week to the show, Patrick Murphy, who covers the Ohio State Buckeyes for Bucknuts of 24-7 Sports. Patrick, let's dive right into it because it's been a busy couple weeks for Ohio State. Uh, since we last spoke, Ohio State hosted and won one of the games that we all knew coming into the year was going to decide the Big Ten East. Uh, and certainly as the season has played out, we knew this was one of those marquee matchups. Ohio State handled business at home against Penn State 20-12. to 
and then went on the road on Saturday night to Madison, Wisconsin, and took care of business there as well. Uh, they beat Wisconsin 24 to 10 to move to 8 0 on the season. Uh, also own one of the more impressive wins of the early college football window uh, when when they went on the road and took care of Notre Dame. Uh, so it feels like at this point in the year, things are are really rounding into form uh, for that November 25th game between Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, Ohio State, they've taken care of their end of the bargain, and it feels like they're in prime position to to roll into this game with everything ahead of them. So Patrick, you were at both of these games. You have been covering Ohio State, obviously, all season, and you've been taking us behind enemy lines on this show. Uh, I guess, Kit, can you give us your main takeaways uh, from these last couple weeks as Ohio State really took care of their two biggest, it feels like, Big Ten challenges uh, before the Michigan game? Yeah, I would say, to put it simply, uh, the defense is good and the offense is inconsistent and very reliant on Marvin Harrison Jr. is kind of the two takeaways of the last two weeks, I think really the whole season, but exacerbated the last two weeks against Penn State. You you know, you hold the Nittany Lions to 12 points for the game. Eight of those came on the final drive uh, for Penn State when they, you know, kind of Ohio State was just trying to sit back and not let a big play happen. And Penn State had to drive the whole field. Um, scored with 29 seconds left and on offense it was the Marvin Harrison show he had 11 receptions on 16 targets for 162 yards and a touchdown the game what ended up being the game winning touchdown uh, this past week against Wisconsin more of the same you hold the Badgers to 10 points happened uh, the touchdown happened just after halftime other than that, uh, Wisconsin only re- reached the red zone once, so the defense lives up to the billing. Wisconsin did lose Braylon Allen right before halftime, and he did not return. So uh, that obviously impacted things in the rushing game for the Badgers. But Ohio State's defense, you know, he had 50 yards uh, on 10 carries, so he was playing well. But Ohio State's defense had handled things for the most part. Offensively, again, um, Marvin Harrison, six catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Travion Henderson came back, which did give the offense a bit more pop um, in the running game. He had 162 yards and a touchdown as well. So, look, this this team offensively, there are enough playmakers, especially once Emeka Buka gets healthy and he's expected to be back soon, to get enough done, assuming this defense continues to play the way it has and you know, at this point, eight games through the season, I think we can can say that this defense is, is significantly improved and, and one of the better ones in the country. Um, this offense is just so, and I, I've, I feel like I say this every week, it's just so different than what Ohio State fans are used to watching just because Kyle McCord is progressing more on the trajectory, I think, of a normal first-time starting quarterback, maybe a little behind that uh, even, depending on who you're comparing him to, as opposed to... Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud in their first year. So it's the offense hasn't hit what it probably could, but still with those weapons that I mentioned um, and, you know, Cade Stover who played well against has played well throughout most of the season had 70 yards in the uh, Penn state game. He didn't have a catch against Wisconsin. So, um, you know, it's the, the, the weapons are there to make plays. It's just a matter uh, of how Kyle McCord and this offensive line I've kind of handled things. And again, like I said, it's, they've been able to do it. Uh, it just hasn't always been pretty. Yeah. I, I think 
a lot of Michigan fans or Michigan associated people, including the team itself and players on the team, uh, had their eyes on the Penn State game, right? And probably with the bye week, maybe had their eyes on on the Wisconsin game as well. Uh, and I think a lot of my takeaways are very similar to to what you just said. Is that if I'm when I'm watching Ohio State's offense, uh, the offensive line, Patrick, which we've talked about all year on this show, it it just it doesn't feel like it's playing up to the level uh, necessarily that uh, that is conducive to a, a national championship or is conducive to like the, the high levels that you might expect, you know, even in pass protection from an Ohio State line. Kyle McCord, it feels like if he and J.J. McCarthy both get to November 25th healthy, this will be the first time in a very, very long time in a decade potentially that it feels like Michigan has an edge at the quarterback position uh, clearly. Um, and, and that's something that is, that has been rare uh, given the trajectory of these two programs and the way these two programs have built themselves uh, over the last few years. Um, all that being said uh, to your point, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Man, uh, it, it feels like there, there were times and it's sort of the way that, the TVs, you know, that the networks broadcast these games because you don't see the whole, like the all 22 is that McCord will throw a pass. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. is like wide open. And it's like, how on earth is Marvin Harrison Jr. wide open? He's Marvin Harrison Jr. And then they show the replay and then it makes sense. Or he's not wide open and he's making incredible catches uh, like the touchdown, the one one of the two touchdowns he had against Wisconsin. Uh, Feels like he is playing his way into the Heisman conversation can play his way into the Heisman conversation with a big game against Michigan. Uh, and then I turn my eyes to the defense and I look at the stats, right? It, you see Ohio State right now, number two in scoring defense, number four total defense nationally through eight games. Very impressive, particularly when you consider that they have played a Notre Dame, they have played Penn State already. Uh, but then I also wonder how much of this is a product of the Big Ten, right? Is if you looked at all some of the top defenses in the country last year, at least in S&P, uh, we're all in the Big Ten West. And do I think those are the best defenses in the country last year? No, I think the offenses in the Big Ten West were just awful. Uh, and this year it feels like there's there's a lot of mediocre uh, offenses across uh, across the Big Ten, including in the East. Uh, all that being said, eight no is eight no, and and winning at Wisconsin, at Notre Dame, and against Penn State are are three impressive wins. Uh, Patrick, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and you just touched on it. Was was the injury report right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for Wisconsin for the Wisconsin game, uh, Devin Brown, back quarterback, was out. Mine Williams, running back, was out. Uh, Emeka Ibuka, uh, he didn't play. It seemed like he was close, but didn't play. And then I saw during that game that that safety Lathan Ransom uh, looked like he went down with uh, unfortunate looking non-contact injury where he wasn't, uh, I think he was carted off to um, to the locker room. So as we're turning the calendar into November, as that Michigan game is getting closer, uh, what's the injury status uh, of, of the Buckeyes? Yeah, um, you, you mentioned some key guys there. They got back, as I said, Mayan Williams, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Travion Henderson, which was big for the Wisconsin game. He'd missed the last three. Ryan Day said Emeka Buka was really close. They just felt they needed to hold him out one more week. So it sounds like he will be back next week, but that's also what Ryan Day said last week. So we shall see. Emeka Buka's been on the sidelines in uniform the last two weeks and like jumping around and 
And I don't mean that just because of Wisconsin, <laughs> like actually like warming up and, and looking the part of a player that was ready to play. So I imagine what Ryan Day is saying is true. Um, the Lathan Ransom injury will be interesting. He did get carted off. And then towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter, came walking back out like to get to from the, the tunnel to uh, the Ohio State sideline. You have to like walk at, at Camp Brandy. You have to walk behind uh, the end zone. So he walked back out with a medical person, uh, didn't have his helmet, didn't come back into the game, but was walking, appeared to be limping noticeably. But I think the fact that he returned to the sideline was more positive than you know, if he comes back out on crutches or doesn't come back out at all. So we'll see on that one. That would obviously be a big loss. He's been a key part for them. Um, but it does sound like at least offensively, they're starting to get a little healthy. There was a scare. JT Tumalau right before halftime took a hit um, from actually teammate Jack Sawyer <laughs> on a play. It looked like it just knocked the wind out of him. He came back. He played the second half. So he seems to be fine. But Jack Sawyer said after the game, uh, he got really scared that he hurt his teammate and uh, that that was going to be a big loss. Well, with uh, the days counting down uh, to Michigan, Ohio State, it's it's been a busy week. Uh, <laughs> it's been a busy week in Ann Arbor. It feels like it's been a, an equally busy week uh, over in Columbus, at least if if what I see on Twitter and the engagement that that's going on on Twitter is to be believed. Uh, Patrick, I was on on your show uh, last week um, talking about the the sign stealing allegations involving the Michigan football program, uh, all the tumult that's going on in Ann Arbor right now. I guess briefly uh, to wrap things up from your perspective, it it, it feels like this is just going to add uh, a lot of fire to a rivalry that probably doesn't need the help. Um, all that being said, it, you know this is. Already, there's going to be more eyeballs than anywhere else uh, in Ann Arbor on November 25th. I guess, what's your reaction uh, to what's going on in Ann Arbor? What's maybe Ohio State's program's reaction? Uh, quickly, because this has been talked about ad nauseum, but I guess what's your take as as we begin a new week? Yeah, I'm ready for the conversation about all this to die down this <laughs> You know, during oh, sorry football, for the question, I guess. No, no, you're fine. I fully <laughs> expected it. Um, but you know, it's it's football season, right? I just want to talk football, and obviously, you know, this coming out at when it did, it's it's unfortunate timing, just in general. But um, look, I think we've got to let this play out. And as you talked about on on our podcast, there's there's a process that this has to go through, and I thought that was a really good point. Um, one that I made to multiple Buckeye fans throughout the weekend that I talked to was like, I don't expect this to, you know, unless something unprecedented happens, I don't expect anything to come out in terms of a final decision about what's going to happen, um, before these two teams play. So I think, will it add something to the game? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's kind of been back and forth, at least message board, social media stuff, uh, on both sides how much that plays into what happens on the field. As you said, this rivalry doesn't need any added motivation. It sounds like these two teams are going to be undefeated once again and, and you know, playing for all the marbles in that game in Ann Arbor. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the football part of it, for sure. I think that, you know, anything off the field, I, honestly, I think we're going to be having the same conversations now unless more comes out, obviously, uh, then as we are now, I should say. So um, let's just play football and, uh, you know, we'll see where the, the chips fall here whenever the investigation reaches its 
conclusion after the process, as you so well described on our show last week. Fair enough. Everyone take a deep breath and, and let's talk football because uh, football season is short and it is precious and you exactly. have to enjoy you have to enjoy it when it comes because, uh, man, it's passed quickly. Uh, Patrick Murphy, he covers the Buckeyes over uh, for Bucknuts, part of our 24-7 Sports Network. You can follow him there. You can follow him on Twitter or X at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. Ohio State uh, has a you know, semi-decent challenge this week uh, playing at Rutgers. Uh, but I think uh, I expect anyway that we'll see them undefeated come November 25th. Patrick Murphy, thank you so much as always. Absolutely. Thanks. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Behind Enemy Lines. For myself, Alejandro Suniga, everyone over at the Michigan Insider and 24-7 Sports, thank you so much for listening. If you want a lot more coverage, and believe me, not just about this football game, you can find it over at michigan.247sports.com or at themichiganinsider.com. I don't have to tell you what sort of couple weeks it's been, right? And there are a lot of new developments regarding the NCAA allegations, you know, the sign stealing, uh, there is recruiting going on. There is a basketball game, an exhibition basketball game later this week, hockey's going on, football continues. Um, so there is just a ton over at the michiganinsider.com. We've got more podcasts, we've got articles, we have detailed analysis, uh, both statistical and from experts. So check that out over at themichiganinsider.com. Listen, it's been, I felt like I spent all offseason at Michigan Stadium, uh, watching the new lights go up, watching the new scoreboards go up, and we only get a handful of these a year. Uh, And at least in terms of being at Michigan Stadium under the lights, this is the last chance. Uh, So I despite the fact that it's probably going to be a blowout, despite the fact that, you know, I'll probably be complaining a little bit as I'm leaving the stadium in the freezing cold at like two in the morning. Got to enjoy it, man. Because listen, when Mr. Brightside hits under the lights, when you got James Earl Jones, 100,000 people, it's, it's a ton of fun. And, and it's really special. It's something I look forward to every year. Uh, So going to appreciate it while it's here. It's been It's been a very special ride for the Michigan football program uh, since 2021 began. And if you're a Michigan fan listening to this, uh, I hope you take a moment through all this madness and appreciate it because uh, the feelings you had, you know, on on November 27th, 21, November 26th of 22, uh, and winning those Big Ten championships, uh, seeing that maize and blue confetti, you know, those feelings can't be taken away from you as hard as people might try anyway that that's enough for me i'll see you at the big house should you ever set foot outside of the hotel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner why are they keeping you here starring emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful you are still a prisoner here Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.